We want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today's episode is sponsored by Publishers Clearinghouse, the leading media and commerce company serving America's heartland. We're excited. Today, joining us is Simone Kaysen, who's the owner of Canis Capital. Let's jump in and get to know Simone. Simone, welcome. How are you? Hello, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. It is a joy to be here, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys for a few. Oh, as, as are we. We're thrilled that you're here. And, you know, for our audience that doesn't know you, can you tell us a little bit about where you were born and where you were raised? And tell us a little bit about Simone. All right, cool. So I was actually born and raised in a small town in West Michigan, Muskegon, Michigan. And so my, my mother uh, was a former probation officer. Uh, she retired as a school administrator. My father is a pastor. Go figure. Y'all should hear my mouth. It's horrible. So you wouldn't even think so. Um, uh, and so grew up there, uh, went to Western Michigan University. Then I ended up transferring over to the Art Institute of Chicago, right? And was a budding business owner and makeup artist for quite some time. And then I realized that my passion was really business. Makeup just happened to be the vehicle that I used it in. And so I eventually ended up going back to school for business financing, got into investing uh, where I was managing like over a hundred million dollars in assets at one time. I received all of my securities licenses, including insurance. Decided that I was going to move back to Michigan to take advantage of the green rush. I don't know what I don't know what made me do that because that was a very crazy thing to do, but I did it anyway. But when I came back, I, I, I really thought that I was just going to be like this super swagged out, cool chick that I would be able to just go and get everybody's money and I was just going to start this new book, book of business. And yeah, it didn't work like that. And so <laughs> proposition one came up, which was the proposition that was going to make marijuana adult use legal. And so since 2008, medical marijuana had been legal in Michigan. So after doing like my research on these businesses and stuff, and I, I didn't know what it is that I wanted to do, I realized that marijuana businesses could not get banking and they couldn't get lending. And I was like, wow, the only thing that would possibly solidify them as a business, you know, if something happens or whatever, is insurance. And so I knew insurance was a state-run thing. So I ended up Googling and I was talking to a friend. A friend of mine said, well, what you going to do with your life? You know, you're here or whatever. I said, I'm going to insure a cannabis business. He said, can you do that? I said, shoot, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. So I Googled. And at that time, I think it might have been maybe it was less than 10 in the whole United States. And so I, I decided that that was what I was going to do. And insurance was mandatory for cannabis businesses in any state. And it was a state-run. Well, while waiting on everything to kind of hash out and waiting on businesses to come, I remember that I had invested in cannabis stocks early on when I was still an investor. And I took a small amount of money. It was like $980. And I turned it into like a $20,000 portfolio in just cannabis. And I saw that in the town that I moved back to, which was my hometown, when I moved back there, I saw that there was an opportunity in cannabis, unlike tech. So tech, you had to be really, really smart or have a whole lot of money. 
Cannabis, you didn't. And now that we had Google and God, anybody can invest in cannabis stocks. They can invest in the stock market, period. So I started to teach individuals how to basic strategies on investing. And we did that for quite some time. And that's when they hashtagged me the dope chick because I talk about money, stocks, and weed all the time. So since then, we have, you know, kind of fledged the companies. They're two different entities, but they were um, intertwined. I travel all over the United States and I will be going to Ghana. I mean, I talk about money, stocks, and weed and the importance of minorities investing in co-op farming via the cannabis industry, startup companies as a whole, and then also in the stock market. They're all creating ways of ownership. And then I own the insurance agency, which is Candace Capital, where we're licensed in Michigan, Illinois, Massachusetts. Five agents that work for us now take care of all the protection needs um, from seed to sale and everything in between for cannabis and craft beer. And we are now starting our first line of Reg CF where we are going looking to go public on the uh, over-the-counter. So we're doing our first round of raising $1 million under Reg CF. And then in 12 months, we will do $40 million to become a company and, and no longer be an agency. That's awesome. I mean, never enough hours in the day. Sounds it like. ain't enough hours. I work seven <laughs> days a week, y'all. I need a vacation. And I have a sidekick named Candy, my little dog. I would show her to you, but she needs a haircut. Her groomer <laughs> slash babysitter is closed due to COVID. And she got low self-esteem because her hair ain't done. But she's here. She's here. Simona, you, you traveled throughout this country and a lot of different parts of the country, yes. right? And mm-hmm. you've had experiences, you know, you shared a little bit of, with us about your parents, you know, can you give us uh, an idea of how that's impacted your identity and how that's impacted who you are today? Well, yeah, you know, so I would probably say my mother being a, she was a probation officer most of my um, life. And then, well, my you know, childhood or whatever. And then I believe she kind of got into the school administration and like, I was in college by this time, but really instilling some really strong values in me. And I would probably say, people say that I'm a wonderful speaker that has to come from my father. He's a dynamic speaker. And so I think that was something that has been innate in me, you know, very, very comfortable to be able to talk to individuals and connect with individuals. I think I have a really strong spirit of discernment. A lot of people navigating through this this journey of there was no blueprint for what I was doing. Right. You know what I mean? So I think having a really strong sense of connection to God and uh, a spirit of discernment has definitely flown through me. And I think, I think that's one of the God's gifts for to preachers kids. I don't know if y'all got some preachers kids out there. I've talked to a lot of us and, and we have this weird connection spiritually, <laughs> right? I actually talk to people and it's kind of like we have a sense that something's going to happen and all of that. Other stuff. So I think it's this kind of, weird gift that you get as a preacher's kid. And then I'll go back to my mother. My mother really instilled in me the idea of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. What I have learned is common sense ain't that common. <laughs> a lot of people don't have basic common sense. And I think one of the major, major things that has, has separated me and kind of made me very successful is the fact that I practice common sense. It ain't even that hard, but just common sense. So she was always one that that advocated, you know, figuring it out. Don't be an airhead. Make sure that you, that was always her thing. So uh, common sense ain't that common. <laughs> it ain't that common. I mean, you know, I get into these meetings sometimes and I'm thinking like, 
so nobody else can figure this out? (laughs) Well, let's talk about figuring out your career path. And I want to talk a little bit about some other things too, like uh, the importance of of minorities investing and and also the more of the money, stocks and weed and the green rush. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started down that path? Yeah. So what started me down to actually investing, I was a financial advisor and a guy came into, you know, into the bank at the time. And I was, you know, working at the bank at the time, but I was working under in in the securities department. And he was like, hey, have you, you know, heard of like canopy growth in Aurora? And I was like, what is that? He was like, these are like marijuana stocks. And I knew that marijuana was medical, was legalized in Michigan. And I invested in them. It was some things that I did right and some things that I did wrong. And so I knew that there were some cultural relationship things for people of color. And what I'm saying is, is that if you look at most of the cultures that do well with money, right, or have a platform with money, they usually leverage their cultural relationship or religious relationship with money. Now, let's talk about African-American or minorities' relationship with money. We are consumers. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. The issue is we consume the wrong stuff. We consume things that are depreciating assets. That's it. Not bad to be a consumer. If you're buying things that appreciate then it's a great, great thing. And so we have to be able to talk about what are our relationship with money and how can we utilize these things to build wealth? Well, one, we got to understand that we have to have ownership, right? So how do you get ownership? You got to buy something. Being a consumer, right? In addition to that, you have to be able to buy what you know. How many of us don't know we? I mean... I ain't talking about what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about what I'm talking about, right? One of the things that when people actually start investing, the first thing they say, well, Simone, what do you think I should buy? And because I am no longer a financial advisor, I cannot give you that answer in specific. But what I will say is a wonderful rule of thumb is buy into companies that you understand how they work. Biotech has done fabulous. I don't own anything in biotech because I don't understand how the hell a robot goes in and pulls out your kidney and pull it back. I just can't figure it out. But if you are in the medical industry, that might be a great opportunity for you. So all of these things are things that what we put together when we look at our cultural relationship with money, when we look at businesses and business models that we understand and we know, then we can create pathways and strategies so that we can be able to build wealth. Thank you. Thank you for that, Simone. Earlier, you you said when you were starting your own business that there was no blueprint for what you were doing at the time. So I'm curious to know, as as sort of the founder and owner of your own business, give us some things that you've learned along the way. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, as I said, there was no blueprint for a Black woman getting into the cannabis industry via a insurance agency. When I think about it now, it's almost like one of those things that somebody asks you for a scavenger hunt. You know what I mean? You go and find like a one-eyed man with a, you know, it's just, it's weird. I never had a blueprint on how this was going to work, right? Had no idea what it was going to work. I knew that there was an opportunity that was there and I had a friend in my head and a, and a person that I still to this day have blueprinted my career off of. And it is uh, Mr. Clarence Evans. 
And if you guys have ever seen the movie Godfather, but I've, I've followed this man for, for many, many years. Clarence Yvonne is known as the Godfather, but he was one of the ones. And what he created was a triangle of control, which made him the most powerful person in the room. And that triangle was entertainment, it was politics, and it was corporations. And because of that, he was a deal closer and he was able to negotiate. And I said, that's who I want to be like. And I wanted to be one of the most powerful people in the room when I walked in. I knew that that was going to be very important, that I wouldn't be able to close as many deals if I wasn't as powerful as possible. So first thing that I did was I I became an advocate for um, inclusion for people of color in the cannabis space. Next thing that I did, I took political roles and then I'm now appointed as the chairwoman for access to capital in the racial equity for the state of Michigan's Michigan Regulatory Agency, which is their regulatory agency. Um, I sit down with senators and, and, and state representatives and I have uh, corporate CEOs on, on my speed dial. And so I knew that Gaining power and influence was going to be really, really important. Lastly, I was able to leverage social media to build a brand that people would recognize the Dolce. So I became a very community-involved individual and almost a local celebrity. So all of those things aided to us getting to the point where we were no longer asking people for business. They was kind of asking me. (laughs) I ain't had to look for them no more. They come looking for me. Yeah, I I hear you. I would have to imagine along the way in your journey, you know, going into rooms where maybe you're the only one that looks like you in that room, a a Black woman. I'm curious to know what challenges you think you face along the way, whether that be unconscious bias, whether that be a level of discrimination. Because again, like you said, there was no blueprint for what you were doing. You were breaking into a brand new industry as a Black woman. Very hard at first, I I will say. If we backed up to three years ago, very, very difficult. You know, everything from my life being threatened, right, to she's not smart enough to be able to do this. And, you know, she she doesn't know this. She doesn't know that. I mean, and you get that. I. I wasn't aggressive. Right. So there's one where you can be aggressive. Right. I was very, very knowledgeable about what I did. I made sure that when I walked into a room and I asked you a question, which I still do. If I ask you a question, I'm not asking you because I care about what your, your answer. I already know the answer. I'm either one checking your temperature or two, I'm making sure we're on the same page. But there's never a question that I'm asking you that I'm not well prepared enough that I don't know. If I go into a meeting or whatever, I probably know what your kids' names are, how old they are, their birthdays, your wife, when when the last, what you ate earlier that day. So I was one of the things for me was making sure that I was always well-read and well-prepared. And that always catapulted me to the forefront, always. I was always a, a, a force to be reckoned with, right? Now, after three years of being able to really do what I've done, and, and, and I will say, let me back up. Reputation is everything, right? So a lot of people don't understand the fact that your talents will get you in the room, but your behaviors will get you put out. Right. So as a financial advisor or as a I mean, not a financial, but being in the financial industry. Right. One of the things that's really, really important is being able to be liked, loved and trust. 
right? So even as an insurance agent or having a company that deals with informal money, I made sure that we had a A plus on the Better Business Bureau, right? Didn't have any donor in my name, right? Everybody that I dealt with, it was always on the up and up. If I told you I was going to call you at 12 o'clock, you could set your watch to it, right? And so always a woman of my word. And I still do that. And that's just a character. So I think being prepared, having an, an impeccable reputation, and just being able to demand a seat at the table. I tell people all the time, you got two choices when you deal with me. Give me what I want or give me what I want. Them the only two. And that's when I go And when I go into these boardrooms or when we have these Zoom calls, that's their only option. I'm here to eat your lunch. All right. <laughs> Curious to know, you know, obviously you are in an industry that is rapidly growing, right? The cannabis industry. You know, I live in New Jersey. We just passed... Uh, Just passed, and guess what? I'm coming to New Jersey soon. All right. Yeah, I'll be in New Jersey soon, helping with some things there. And one of my, what part are are you in Trenton? Where are you? I'm in Edison, New Jersey. I'm about an hour from Trenton. Okay, so I'll be in Trenton. One of my close friends, Ed uh, Leo Bridgewater, is there. So we'll be, I'll be out there hitting the pavement with him. Soon as the the New Year, I just got off the phone with him yesterday, so I'll be there real soon. There you go. Well, you know, the question there is, you know, very fast growing industry. You know, every state is starting to pass laws. I mean, I think it's only a matter of time before it's a it's a federal law as well, too. What excites you most about the future of of this industry? I mean, right now, like I talk to all of my friends. So like all of my friends, you know, we've all like been featured in like for Forbes or Black Magazine, you know, or something lot of, you know, coverage. And so we can all remember when this was, when we were posting on Facebook and people were like looking at us like we were crazy, right? You know, now everybody is celebrity status. You know what I'm saying? I was just talking to Leo the other day and I was like, y'all, it's crazy. You know, he was just in high times. And so it's bananas. So I would probably say this current space right now is probably one of the most exciting times. Now, of course, this is an exciting time, but then we can't go nowhere. So it's really, really weird, but it is a very, very exciting time now. Exciting about the future. I think exciting about the future is I'm excited about what happens before it goes federal, right? While it's still budding, while it's still growing, while we're still having the opportunities to uh, make new millionaires, while we still have opportunities to create generational wealth, while you still have all of these different opportunities, this, I think, and this in the next 24 months are going to be the most exciting times for me. Once it becomes federally legal and all, it's kind of like, eh, you know, still a great run, but, you know... It's yeah, eh. you know, right now we're in the 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 post prohibition kind of thing, and everybody's hands are still dirty, and we're having these intense conversations. So right now, I'm having a ball. My my life is very fun right now. That's great. I've got some questions about sort of like how maybe some folks that sort of inspired you or kind of mentors you had. You know, you talked about your family, you talked about your mom and and your dad. Are there any other folks that helped you to be who you are today? Other sort of mentors or or anything? oh yes, yes. Anybody that doesn't have a mentor is a fool. So I would probably say so Eric Grant, who uh actually mentored me as far as 
And he's an investment advisor. And so when I was licensed or whatever, definitely a big mentor, gave me a lot of encouragement, a lot of words of wisdom of being able to just be aggressive. And I think a lot of my negotiating and kind of, I'm not scared of anything, you know, might've came from some of that. Definitely, I have an older brother who was very influential in, in my life as far as, you know, just being strong and, and take no nonsense. And then Roz McCarty, who is the president, the CEO of uh, Minorities for Medical Marijuana, which is a trade group, and I'm the president of the Michigan chapter, just really teaching me how to navigate in this space. This is a very, the Green Rush is very, very unique mm. in the fact that you're dealing with large sums of money, but you're dealing with very relaxed people, right? So there are some corporate people, but I mean, for the most part, y'all, I, I go to a lot of meetings with my hair, my baseball cap, some jeans and a blazer and, and pumps. You know, that's not a, abnormal for me. Right now we're in COVID, so I'm wearing leggings and, and sweatshirts every day, you know? So it's a very, very relaxed environment. And so you and you're also probably dealing with about 75% people who are going to blaze up and smoke in front of you. So, I mean, you know what I mean? Why y'all talk? I mean, it's lunch, right? So that's, mm-hmm. it's very, very common for somebody. So you just have to understand that there is a different walk that you kind of go through and public policy is, is a big part of, of this. You know, if you go into the beauty industry, it's probably not going to be as important for you to know your state senator as it is if you go into the weed industry, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's fascinating. How are you staying informed? And, you know, what are you reading? What are you following that helps give you sort of that information advantage or the information edge? Well, you know, so I, I read a lot, right? But I'm also, when I first started, it was, it was a lot of reading. And I do have an assistant who still sends me things on the daily of things that I need to read. So those are, you know, definitely trade publications on investing, definitely opportunities that are in the green, green book, you know, different cannabis magazines like Canamag, uh, Grow In, and it'll host the different exclusives. So all of that we do do. I probably spend about 20 hours a week reading in public policy and of course, but you also have to understand I'm actually now in a place where I am in the room, right? So I'm in the Zoom. I'm on the National Cannabis Industry Associations. I'm uh, on their risk and insurance board. I am uh, the chairwoman for the MRA's Racial Equity Board. So there's nothing that goes through public policy in Michigan that I don't know about. I'm a member of Shy Normal. I'm a, the president of the Michigan Mara, um, the, the Minorities for Medical Marijuana Michigan chapter. So, yeah, I mean, I'm in the rooms now. Got it. Yeah. That's great. And what are one or two pieces of advice that, you know, you would give to anyone who reaches out to you that wants to learn more about the Green Rush or cannabis and how they can start to get involved? You know what? I'm going to tell you Right now, start off by Google. I'm not your life coach. It's not my job to help you figure out what you want to do with your life. I get people all the time. They say, I want to get in the cannabis industry. I said, okay, great. What you want to do? I don't know. I'm a professional. I'm $250 an hour. You think I got time to be life coaching you? No. You wouldn't call nobody else with that. You need to figure out what it is that you need to do. So what you need to do is you need to use God and Google and do some research and figure out what you want to do. That's the first thing. Second thing is that people of color have to understand that 
dispensaries are not the only thing that you can do in the cannabis industry, right? So that's the first thing that we want to do. What you want to do, I'm going to open up a dispensary. Understand this. The most miserable person in any organization is the person at the cash register. I don't care if you're selling dope or dog food. That's the most miserable person. So in the cannabis space, we need businesses just like everything else. So if you are a web designer, guess what? There's a great way to become a web designer because there are certain keywords and uh, SEOs that you have to be able to do to get it passed to be on Google. If you are a social worker, guess what? You can social work. You can actually talk to individuals about how they can be able to obtain medical licenses and all the other things. Nurses, we definitely need people that are going to prescribe in the medical field. Hell, I mean, you can pretty much do anything. Social media manager. If you're a tech person, do y'all know right now, one of the biggest ways right now to make money in cannabis is being inventive and figuring out a way for tech. Y'all, they got an app. It's like a tender and you can find your smoke buddy. If you like them, you slide left. If you don't, you swipe right. I mean, it's, it's amazing what they do. They got a carrot for weed. You pop your weed in there, you and your friend, y'all, let's say you got your buddies. Now, this is great for COVID. Y'all watch me. You pop your weed in there and it shoots out and you get your smoke and they get their smoke and, and, and it just goes up your nose. It's a current for weed, like for COVID. Nobody touches everybody. You know, you can't be passing the... Right, right. Got to be over with. What else do they have? They have CBD infused water, all type of different things in the food and the beverage, and especially in tech. If you want to make some money in, in the weed industry, look, become the next Mark Zuckerberg, right? They even got um the bud delivery places. So they you put it on your phone like Uber Eats. You order it, they go pick up your weed from your local dispensary, then you show them your ID, they drop it off to you. It's amazing. Hmm. So basically, diversification. There's a lot of opportunity in the industry. You don't. It's a lot of opportunity in the industry. Love it, love it. Mm-hmm. Well, you were just talking about apps, so this is a fun question. I love asking every guest that we we have on the podcast. Give us the top three apps on your phone that you use, but you can't name email, text messaging, or calendar. Oh, okay. So Facebook, Snapchat. Oh, Evernote. Mm. All right. Yeah. And are you, are you using all three for business or some personal? I don't even have a personal life, y'all, no more. I'm listen. Look, my <laughs> personal life has been over. I mean, it, so this is the thing. Y'all got to check this out because it's not really that bad. So don't like, oh, well, y'all got to think about it. So I'm either in my office, which is an amazing office with amazing people. And so I love it here. Everybody's like family. We all have, you know, different offices, but it's amazing. And it's super cool. I segue through here. I play golf, all kinds of, I mean, <laughs> a, a, a cool party, right? But when I'm not in my office, right, I am in dispensaries, grow houses, and like bars and spirits. So I'm telling you right now, I kick it all day. Like it's a constant party all day from the time I get up to the time I go to bed. So I will say that. Now, with that being said, because we are so full blown in cannabis, I ain't had a day off in God knows how long. So if I'm doing something, it's probably business related. Mm. Thank you for your honesty and thank you for spending time with us. Our audience loves to stay in touch and I'm sure they'll, they'll want to follow you and learn a whole lot more. How can our of audience course. stay in touch with you? What are some ways they can find you? Okay, so look, everything is the letter C, 
then the letter C-I-M-O-N-E-C-A-S-S-O-N. So C Simone Kason. That is the website. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Christian Mingle, Tender, Black Planet, anything that you want to find me on. You put them all C Simone Kason.com. And then if you are looking for protection, if you are in the cannabis space or in the craft beer space and you're looking for protection or insurance, guess what? You can find us at Cannabis Capital, which is C-A-N-N-A-S-C-A-P-I-T-A-L, CannisCapital.com, right? How do you go from Tinder to Christian, uh, what did you say? Um, Christian Christian Mingle. Mingle. Because God loves us all. Just go with it. Just go with it. Just go with it. (laughs) But you can find me on anything, and it's always going to be C. Simone k Well, Simone, thanks for going with us for a little bit. We appreciate you. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks again to our sponsor, Publisher Clearinghouse, the leading media and commerce company serving America's heartland. Thank you for supporting this podcast. You can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video. Just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.